0: Hey everybody! You are listening to the Vocal Advancement Podcast, and I am your host Tom, and I am joined by the lovely Heather today. Kamusta. Ah. Where <laughs> in the world is that today?
1: Well, I am in the Philippines today. Obviously, oh. that was my Filipino.
0: <laughs> Very nice. I'm I, sure it's sunny I there.
1: Yeah, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not there. I wish I was. It'd be nice.
0: If only. If only it would be lovely. Yeah. How's things? Uh, Things
1: are good. Things are good. The sun is shining today, actually, which makes a nice change. It's about time we had a bit of spring weather in the UK. It's been very wet and horrible. And how British is this of me that the first thing I want to talk about is the weather?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We'll complain (laughs) if it's sunny or if it's wet or if it's windy or if it's rainy, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's because it changes
1: all the time Every five minutes it's new Like at the moment it's sunny But you know by the time I have to go and pick the kids up from school It'll probably start raining again It likes to time it just when well, All the parents were... are stood in the playground waiting for the kids That's when the, the rain will come Yeah, Heaven's
0: open mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, We were back to winter up here in Scotland We had uh, hailstones yesterday We were sitting oh, and fabulous. it was kind of cloudy sunny And then the next minute it was pitch black And it was hailstones For like ten minutes. Yeah, I see. So it's sunny today and then apparently that's gonna be sleety snowy later this afternoon with minus two tonight. Brilliant. So spring is spring is on pause here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. Well I can tell it's it's spring because the number of hay fever sufferers that have come Mm -hmm. into my studio over the last week dripping you know, <laughs> nose is dripping, eyes are dripping, everything's dripping. So you're like, okay, spring must be here. The pollen is out. The allergies are oh, right. It must be
0: terrible. Uh,
1: are you, are you yeah. a hay fever, sufferer? Hmm.
0: I am, yeah. I've had particularly bad this year um, for some reason. I had um, a problem with my eye a couple of weeks ago, and so the allergies have really aggravated it so like today my eye is like it feels like there's sand in it it's so itchy so i'm desperately trying not to scratch it because that just makes it worse but yeah yesterday i was trying to sing while making dinner and it was like swimming through phlegm it was, like, was, like, it lovely. it's lovely
1: horrible isn't it it's horrible the problem with is you're palm. kind of damned if you do and you're damned if you don't because the hay fevers a pain in the ass if you're trying to sing But the Mm -hmm. antihistamines that you're supposed to take to fix that dry you up so much that that's not ideal for singing either. I um, know. mm.
0: Or they make you sleepy, you know.
1: (laughs) Although, I just, you know, sleepy all the time anyway I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I know when the hay fever season comes because my husband starts snoring three times louder than he normally does.
0: (laughs) Oh, lovely. <laughs>
1: so, I don't get any sleep in hay fever season. <laughs> uh, so, who's on today's podcast, Tom?
0: Well, today we are uh, talking to the lovely Gerald White, who is a session singer and voice teacher in LA and has been a longtime friend of IVA since we started. So, he's done some wonderful things in his career, very envious of some of the things that he's gotten to do. Eh?
1: He's worked with everyone and done everything.
0: It's know, very Lady cool. Gaga and all that, Adele.
1: <laughs> yes. The and he's Grammys. worked on some huge films. He's basically, yeah, he's if, if you don't know what session singers tend to do, he just gets, you know, shipped in to form, like, a little choir to do all of the... the kind of background music as well as the forefront music in some amazing Hollywood films. Um,
0: Yeah, and TV shows and and animations and albums and yeah he's just yeah it sounds and yeah because we talked about this during his interview but it sounds like such a wonderful lifestyle but I'm sure it must be such hard work imagine walking into a recording booth of a multi-million dollar film production and get shoved a piece of paper and say right go sing that then no rehearsal no practice just no go.
1: I know <laughs> uh, but I, I mean but it's very cool though it's very cool he's proper oh, yeah. mr. Hollywood isn't he working with all the yeah. Hollywood big wigs and whatnot it's a cool you know sort of business to be in and sort of business that a lot of singers aspire to do um, yeah I, th- I think we should go talk to Gerald shouldn't we
0: we should and we should just add a little note here that we um, are had a little technical difficulty again in this recording of the podcast uh, but hopefully our wonderful video editor has managed to make it make sense between the, the problems that we had so <laughs> this will hopefully turn out alright yeah I'm sure it'll be
1: fine it'll be fine (laughs) yeah
0: and if not we'll just have to get him back and grill him again
1: I think we should do that anyway he was a lot of fun to talk to
0: yeah he is so anyway here's Gerald and let's see what he's got to say So Gerald, thank you so much for joining us today. We are really looking forward to this little chat that we're going to have because we want all the showbiz gossip from you. We want to know everything about everyone. So we look forward to that in a bit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all the Hollywood gossip. But, huh? Yeah,
0: it. we want to know who's who and what's going on.
2: Mm, scary. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: But I thought we would start with an easy one. I thought it would be nice if you could just kind of tell our listeners a little bit about how you got started in singing and kind of what got you to where you are currently today.
2: Um, it started, I grew up in church singing in the South. I grew up in Mississippi. And it was very, you know, church-based is, is where we learned to music and where we learned to sing. <clears throat> and I knew then I wanted to... Um, I used to hear the commercials on TV. Back then, there were, you know, commercials were full songs. And I would hear those and I would tell my mom when I was a little kid, that's what I want to do. Even though I didn't know what that really was, I just knew that I wanted to sing songs like that. Um, Amazing. So I sang all the way through junior high and high school, you know, with school plays and school choruses and stuff like that. And then went to college and studied. My major was classical piano, and I, I loved to play the piano. And my professor basically said, "You can you'll get work easier as a piano player than as a singer, if you know if you're paying mortgages and raising a family." <laughs> mm-hmm. So I majored in piano and minored in in voice, in classical voice, and then. When I finished college, I realized at you know, the last note of my senior recital that the practice that it took to play piano as a concert pianist was you know, seven, eight hours a day. And I didn't have the patience for that. Yeah. So I continued my, you know, I had that in my background, which was a good thing um, because it definitely, it's definitely helped accompany my singing, and my teaching. And then I headed to LA um, when I was 22 and studied jazz and commercial music for a year um, also as a vocalist and then tried and then started to get into the session business so i was playing clubs and i was playing weddings and church jobs and you know everything you do as a singer to to make it um
1: how did you find that transition then to go from the classical world
2: into the commercial world was that an easy transition or was that Challenging. Um, You know, the the classical training was was the training itself in college, but all growing up I sang gospel, R and B and pop was were kind of my was my background. Mm -hmm. Um, so to transition into it wasn't that hard. I'm glad I had the classical foundation in the training, but you know, it wasn't wasn't that hard to transition into it. The hardest part was getting getting in, you know, getting Mm -hmm. in the business. And uh, yeah. when I moved to L.A. too, I started teaching mainly because a few friends said, I want to learn voice. And I was like, okay, why not? And I didn't know what I was doing. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like a lot of a start. And that's kind of where the whole training started for that. But I, I always kept that up on the side. And then as my session career started to dwindle, my teaching kind of grew. So it took a long time to get in, though. I mean, in L.A., I was here... 11 years before I actually got a, an official job doing what I do as a singer and so, wow.
1: how did you get that first official job
2: what happened did you meet someone did I, you know someone I took two things I because I had the training I felt like I didn't knew, need to take any more classes like I didn't somebody said you need to go take a sight singing class at the time I thought I, I have a degree I don't need sight reading um, and it wasn't necessarily an, being arrogant. I just thought I've got all this training. Why do, Why should I go take this course? Well, I didn't know that this course that was offered at the Screen Actors Guild was a um, um, was a kind of an entrance in to get to meet all the people um, mm-hmm. and see, you know, where the connections were. So I finally took the class. One of the ladies that came as a class guest one day um the, the teacher introduced me to her and said, you should hire this guy. He's tenor and blah, blah, blah. She goes, great. I'll hire him in my next film, which is in two weeks, which felt like, you know, how easy is that? Although I had tried to contact <laughs> her for seven years and never wow. heard back anything. So it's, it's all, it was all connection. It was all connection. But, and it just getting, finally getting to the right place to meet those people. Mm, networking. Don't underestimate
1: it.
0: (laughs) 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 So you mentioned sight singing, Gerald. um, And years ago, I don't know if you remember, but you did a sight singing class for us at one of our very first conferences. But how has that helped you in the industry when it comes to, to, you know, walking into a studio and being handed a piece of paper?
2: Um, It's been crucial because most of the work that we do requires that we'd be able to read on the spot. We, we rarely ever get the music because of um, NDAs that we have to sign, and they don't want anybody to have the music ahead of time. So we'll go in, and the music will be on the stand. We usually record, I don't know, 15 to 25 song clips per session. Wow. So it's the sight reading was crucial, and it's something I learned to even do better once I got here. Like. As I mentioned earlier, to take that class, I thought, oh, I can sight read. You know, I sight read piano, but sight reading voice is a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So in that class that I took, at the end, the guy that was teaching it left, decided to retire and said, do you want to teach this? And so I started teaching it, kind of fumbling through in the beginning, but really learning along the way what were the the, um, obstacles that got in the way of people learning how to read. And why is it that people came in with degrees like I had, but could still not take a piece of music in front of you and just sing it straight? So it's a whole different kind of a whole different process. But it's, but it's so necessary in what we do because it saves the producers and the production companies time and money. Mm. So that we don't it's have.
1: So interesting. I'd never really thought about sight singing in that way. But in my head, sight singing, I think choral. I think that's the only oh, yeah. place where sight singing has its place is in the choral community, but right. yeah, that's fascinating that, that that's how they work and they just want you to just, here you go, do it.
2: Right. Well, and in the paid choirs here in town, like the master LA master chorale, some of the salaried choral groups require that because they can mm-hmm. do a lot more music and not have to sit and teach parts during rehearsals. So,
1: mm. yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: And so do you get a chance to, like you walk into the studio, do you get a chance to rehearse once you've got the music or is it like, you know, here's a piece of paper straight to the mic?
2: Straight to the mic. Straight (sighs) to the mic and straight recording. If we, we'll usually do one take or maybe two to kind of just get the gist of it, unless it's really difficult. If it's really difficult or we need like language coaching or something, we'll, we'll stop and rehearse. But normally, we just start recording, and if, if we get a good take, we just keep going.
1: So do you That's often intense. get us to sing things in different
2: languages? Sometimes. Damn! Sometimes. And we usually have a coach. Like, we just recently did a um, session about four weeks ago where it was some Mandarin. So we had a Mandarin wow. coach. So we just do usually a few syllables that they have. It's not usually mm-hmm. long, but... They want us to sound, you know, as a singer you can get away with language more than when you talk. So. <laughs> <I was just laughs> you can you say, can hide. That's a tonal
1: language as well. That's like Yeah. Yeah. Tricky stuff.
2: Yeah, tricky. <laughs> <laughs> You're just too good at this. <laughs> I don't. Know. It just yeah, takes a sounds- lot it it's 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 high pressure but I like it. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that sounds like one of those nightmares you wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat because you're standing at a studio <laughs> mic with sheet music that you can't sing in Mandarin. You're like, what did, did I do
2: now? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So yeah. what, what are, what's what been your favorite project that you've worked on, Gerald? My favorite project was um, Happy Feet because we mm. it's one of the rare instances where the orchestra was there, the choir was there. Oh wow! Patty Labelle was in one booth, and Yolanda Adams <gasps> was in another booth. So the room is full wow. of everybody doing their thing at one time, which is doesn't really happen a lot. So that was no. fun. And we were watching the film, uh, you know, and trying to, you know, as you doing for, it. Yeah, as we were doing it. Yeah. So that's fun to kind of watch how we're voicing the the penguins as we go along. <laughs>
1: It's amazing.
2: <laughs> they even they even had us especially in the songs that are not where we have all the different parts and it's actually all the penguins singing different parts. They didn't specifically give us a penguin, but they all they told us to find one on the screen and try okay. to try to match as close as you could so that you know so it would seem like when you're watching the film it's exactly like a <laughs> That's <specific>. amazing. <laughs> I love that.
1: So have you now named one of the penguins in that film? It's my that,
2: penguin, that's right. It's that your penguin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. Okay, so if that was your favorite job,
2: oh. <laughs> what
1: was your least favorite <laughs> job that you ever worked on?
2: <laughs> my least favorite job? Um, gosh, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to think about that one a little bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that was the very politician answer yes.
2: that was. <laughs> I know it. Right? I would say the live. I would say the live jobs where we're, where we're, you know, kind of the new thing now is video games. So, hmm. video okay. games are. You know, they'll go. You'll go to the arena, like you were going to a concert, but it's a video game. So the kids fill the arena with four thousand people. What? they put the video they put the video screen somebody's playing a video game and they're all watching it and while no. the video while the video games playing we're doing the music for it wow but a lot of times that's very very little music so you're sitting for six hours Just eight watching
1: hours someone playing a computer game
2: yeah 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 that's bizarre
1: <laughs> remind me never to buy my children's games console <laughs> exactly. i do not want to sit through that
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's bad enough having to go to sing along or encanto alone...
0: <laughs> oh you console. love it don't lie <laughs> oh that's oh, right, totally that's right. right. Yeah, that
1: was more for me than them that was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well how about the live work when so when you've been working you've done backing vocals and things right for people Mm-hmm. in their live concerts and things. what's I mean, Have you had to tour much, or do you tend to just do the
2: local stuff? I don't have to tour much. In fact, they're their they're, they're own little worlds. Those groups are, you know, there's the backup singer world, and then there's the album world of the album singers, and there's the film and TV world, which is more of the choral group stuff, which is what I do. Mm-hmm. So they each have their own circle of people. Pretty much because they don't want people in town. Don't want to have to hassle with the fact that you may be gone or not when they need you. Interesting. So, so the live stuff that's local, like the Hollywood bowl or, you know, the, the Grammys or the Oscar stuff like that is, has uses the local group. So we don't have to tour.
1: So do you find yourself working with the exact same people all the time?
2: Exact same people. Oh, well, it's changing amazing. now because of social media. Mm-hmm. Now there's... When I got to LA, there was a group of, I would say, 60 people that did all of the work for everything. Like the person singing backup for Michael Jackson on his album was the person singing, you know, behind a jazz singer in another <sighs> venue or doing a choral thing for, for commercial and TV. It's the same group. Now, because we have access to so many singers through social media. Everybody has an opportunity. Everybody has a recording studio. They're, they're recording music for film and TV on in their home. You don't have to go Mm. to Fox studios anymore. You don't have to go to, you know, the bridge or like the big studios in town. You can do it at home on your, you know, in your own home. So, you know, that's, that's broadened the field to bring in Mm. all the new people. So there's more opportunity for more people, but there's less opportunity for the ones that are working to do as much work. So it's spread out, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's less in that way.
1: So are there ever kind of auditions or is it just kind
2: of, I'm just going to offer this person a job? It's, it's never audition unless it's a solo. So let's Hmm. say like even in the Encanto movie there, when they cast those roles in their vocalist roles, Or they have somebody like that did the Hollywood Bowl version of that. You know, they they take all the movies and then do a live thing at the Hollywood Bowl. They'll audition those parts. But for group stuff, it's usually you have to get on the list of the contractor and they're like agents. And they vet you basically more through referrals than anything else of people that have worked with you and just says, this guy or this girl can do this really well. And then they put you on the job. If you do well, then you'll, you'll stay on their list. So, and it's casting on their side, but when they call you, they're hiring. Um, it's just straight out hiring. So they're doing a, let's say they're doing a Disney film and they need voices that can sound old school Disney, like the old Snow White sound. Mm -hmm. Then they'll look down their list and they'll go, Oh, you know, Heather can do that. Tom can do that. And then they just put you on the call. So they give you, the, they send you an email and you're, you're booked for the gig. So there's no audition. Amazing. Just so you just got to
1: get on that list.
2: You got to get on that list. And <laughs> you it just got to get on that list. <laughs> it took forever. I was in my mid thirties before I ever got on that list. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to get in.
1: So then in your experience then, of most of the people who've gotten on that list, have they gotten
2: there by knowing the right people? Yes. Absolutely. You have to have so- the talent, but there's a lot of people with talent. Yeah, mm. when it comes to the end it's it's more important than it than knowing, you know, getting to the right people, them knowing that you're going to show up on time. Um you're going to be able to you keep your voice up all the time. Mm. You know, it I've you know, we've had situations where people show up and they I mean, I know this sounds really crazy, but they have body odor, you know, and they never, they're never hired again, or they're just not, they're not easy to get along with. Their, their voice is amazing, but they never, you never see them again. So it's, it's kind of that whole list mm-hmm. of you're dependable, you show up on time, you're going to keep your mouth shut, you, your voice is going to be in shape, and you won't show up for the job unless it's, you know, ready to go.
1: Have you so. experienced people turn up for the job with a voice not quite in the right state
2: for it? Oh, yeah. They, you, <laughs> don't see, you don't see them back, especially if it's, if it's um, a technique thing where they just can't control their voice. If somebody has a cold, that's kind of a different issue. But mm-hmm. then again, you would turn the job down if you mm-hmm. know you can't, you know, produce.
1: How far, in, how far in advance will you hear about a job? Is it like just, oh, tomorrow, can you come and
2: sing? Sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. So especially in heavy season where, you know, I go to bed early every night. I, I just, I you know, I, I rehearse and practice all the time, do my warm-ups and exercises all the time just because you never know, you know.
0: It must take some stamina vocally to to be doing that at that level and then, you know, walk away and still be able to speak at the end of the day.
2: It does because our, our – gigs sometimes are eight hours. We have 50 minutes with a 10 minute break and 50 more minutes with a 10 minute break. So it's better when you're in a group. The the, the horrible thing that happened during COVID was number one, nobody was singing, <laughs> which <laughs> mm-hmm. as you know, doesn't help things. And no. you know, you're sitting, you're overeating and everything else that went along drinking and you know, all the crazy that you're depressed and, Seriously, survival mechanism. survivor <laughs> mechanism, all of those things played into people's voices. And then, you know, two years, two years in, which was last year, I remember one job we got called for. Um, because we were still under the COVID protocol, you would walk in the recording studio, and the booths were six to eight feet apart, and each mm-hmm. person had their own booth which is very odd. So they had to build all these booths for us, you know, so you're all caged in kind of, (laughs) and you, and you have your own mic in front of your stand, which is rare. Usually it's two big mics or several mics capturing the group as a whole. Right. Like a choir. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, And you have your own mics. And I remember walking in and we all just panicked because, you know, not, you know, it's already high pressure, but now you haven't been singing as much and you know that whoever's in the booth, which this was for disenchanted. So it was the, that whole crew of people, writers. And the mic is this close and it picks up everything. And you know, all they have yeah. to do is in the booth, they can just raise your Listen slider each up. Individual. And, <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's a hard, that was horrible. That was, that was, um, we made it, but it was, uh, stressful. that was, that was definitely stressful panic day. Mm-hmm. Did, th- and did, did they, they in-
1: have you recording anything at home during that?
2: COVID we period? did, we did, we did two projects at home, but they realized that doesn't work with people that are engineering their own projects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause everybody went out and bought Pro Tools or Logic and tried to learn it really fast. Some of us are already already using it because we do some home recording, but still, I mean, you're doing, you're trying to sing your part for a forty voice choir and do it all in sync with four hours of music and line it up, and and then they send it in, and the engineer just wants to shoot himself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, um you were kind of talking about how it's the same kind of people. So obviously you've built relationships with these people over the years. And so if they know you're a voice teacher, do you find yourself helping a lot of these people with their voices or is that kind of strictly, no, you don't cross that line?
2: Um, I do. I do for, especially ones that are closer friends. Yeah. And there's a lot of, there's, I would say, you know, I don't know the percentage, but there's a lot of those singers that are also voice teachers Oh, okay. Yeah. And I think the same in my case. I started doing it, you know, 30 years ago because it was just a way to make money and, you know, it kind of started that way and then I realized along the way I needed to get certified and actually learn what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) So when people would ask (laughs) questions and, you know, I was not leading them down the wrong path, but um, there's a lot of... The session singers here are definitely very versatile in what they're able to do. A lot of them are very strong musicians, violin players, and um, just kind of all around, you know, encompass all of the parts of that. So, yeah, I've been able to help some people, but I need to help myself a lot. (laughs)
1: So how do you find that balance between performing
2: and teaching
1: how does that work for you
2: um luckily it it has worked for me because um number one i can i just scheduled my voice students to just a few days a week so the the chances of a session inter you know occurring at the same time at the same day with the same student is kind of rare. Cause one, one week it'll be on a Thursday morning and the next week it'll be on a Tuesday night and that kind of thing. And they mm-hmm. my students know I'm in the business. A lot of them want to also at least just make a living as a singer. Maybe they not be a session singer, but they want to be successful. So they get it. They're <clears> part of the whole acting community and they understand that, you know, you have to go and, they've respected the fact that I do or I'm involved in what I'm teaching and how important it is for me to keep my own voice up. So it's never, it's never really been an issue. I was told it was going to be an issue when I first started Mm -hmm. being certified. A few people say that. Yes. Look, you'll never be able to do that and Mm -hmm. teach and build your studio, but I have found it. Luckily for me, it's, that's not been the case.
0: Yeah, I, think I think a lot of people would see it as a benefit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and everybody's situation is unique. So, you know, there is no one-size-fits-all. Everybody's got to kind of figure out what works for them and their life. And Right.
2: Mm. Right, and they both but help you, each other. You know, teaching helps the sessions and doing the session work and having to do different styles and be classical one day and be a Disney pop sound one day or whatever definitely helps me to teach better. For
0: my mm. students, yeah, you can walk in their shoes, so to say, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I do yeah, remember. Some... Go oh, on. I, I was just going to say, I do remember years ago when we were all in that other organisation we used to be in, <laughs> uh, <another> <laughs> that other organisation that we don't speak of, and <laughs> somebody had sent me a link to your website, and it was all the different style samples that you had done. So I don't know if you even remember that. I mean, it was that was quite a while ago. But I remember yeah. listening to it, all thinking, "Wow, like that's just an incredible talent to be so authentic sounding on these styles, you know." And then it's, but it just must be second nature to you now, eh? Well,
2: it's it's challenging for me. I'm I'm not really a, a sound alike, so I, I can sing in the style of, like, I'm more of a group singer where I can do choral. I can do you know, a group of 16 singers that's going to sing a, a, a pop song for Glee or something like that. That's adaptable for me. But if they called me up and said, I mean, we want you to sound like Josh Groban or sound like Stevie Wonder, or something, I, I couldn't do that. So what I learned to do was just be the best at being in a style, As but I still sound like me, as opposed mm. to some, some singers I work with are so good at it and so versatile that it sounds literally like a different voice. Wow! So the one you played that day was was different styles that I have to do as you know as good as I can, but it still sounds like me doing them. If that makes any sense. Where some some yeah. of the, some of the people I work with, literally, it's like, oh wow, is that a different person? You yeah.
1: know. So I, I keep hearing, and it kind of seems to be like a trending thing um, amongst yeah the voice community that that cross-training the voice is the be-all and end-all i.e. that all singers should really be dabbling in both more kind of classical operatic sounds as well as contemporary commercial sounds and that seems to be kind of what your career is do you feel like the constant switching from one style into another is beneficial for your voice in general or do you find that it's you know quite challenging and tiring on your voice?
2: Oh, that's a, that has a lot of pieces to it. Um, (laughs) one thing, one thing that I found was that whatever somebody has sung growing up is what they sound really good as a, as an adult. In other words, a Mm -hmm. singer will come to me and they want to be a session singer. And I'll say, well, what do you do? What do you sing the best? And sometimes they say, well, I don't know. I, I can sing classical and I can sing Broadway and I can sing country. And being able to just sing the song is one thing, but be able to sound like that style is very specific. So I'll ask them, "What have you sung your entire, entire life?" And sometimes they'll say, "Oh, I've sung classical and I studied classical." And I think, well, that's probably where you land and are going to be the strongest because, as you know, over time, you, you your muscles and your you, you kind of acclimate to that that style and that sound, and it's for some people it's really hard to change mm-hmm. it. So I have a few that I do well. There's a few that I don't do well at all. You know, funny story, I'm, I grew up in the South, but I didn't sing country music at all growing up. You know, in Mississippi, you would think that's that's all we heard on the radio, mm-hmm. but I was listening to Journey and to Boston and to, you know, classical stuff, and my parents had albums of different singers. So I didn't ever sing country. I got to L.A., and one of the first gigs I had was a guy. I was referred for a gig because they assumed that I could sing country because my accent used to be really slow. (laughs) And I I talked to the guy on the phone and he said, oh, you're going to be perfect. Oh my God, this is the greatest thing. So I show up for the session and I tried to sing country and he stopped me halfway through and he said, I'm going to have to let you go. You can't, you don't, you don't sound country. You talk country, but you don't sound it. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, it was an eye opener for me. Like, to, to, you know, it's, it's something, if you've done it a lot growing up, then if you're, if you're, if all you've sung is pop music or Broadway your entire life, and then all of a sudden you're going to be a classical singer. I, I find that it's really hard for, especially after being an adult, it's hard for that person to change it. Also, Mm -hmm. if you're going to be a classical singer like here, I remember a specific um, example where one of the singers I worked with, she was new to town, she's the top soprano in town right now, she's, and she does mostly classical, she sings with the master chorale, um, and she could belt a mean Aretha Franklin when I met her. The problem was, or the issue I should say, was that she was singing in clubs every night belting Aretha Franklin songs. And then she was wanting to be hired to sing high Cs and float them really lightly and very pure. Well, you can't, from my experience in, in watching singers, you can't be belting every night after night after night doing that kind of music and then show up on the L.A. opera stage and sing beautiful high floaty tones all the time. It just, it's a different Muscle production. Mm -hmm. So she had to decide at some point if that's what she was really going to do. She had to give most of her time to that and leave the other stuff for somebody else, which doesn't, and she can still do it, but she knows that that'll, that'll take away from her ability to, to live in that classical choral sound. So I think it's, it's really I think interesting it's, to mm. go back to your question it's you can do it all and it definitely helps the versatility in your voice but it it requires a different production obviously mm. and you're you know you're belting like in the session world used to we would do several different sessions a today that always start with classical first and then move to pop and then move to rock or blues or stuff later because if you did it in reverse your classical voice wouldn't sound like it was supposed to so then, Gerald, I have a,
0: a final question for you, if I may. Is there somebody that you haven't yet worked with that you would absolutely love to work with, you know, like your dream job, if you haven't already done it?
2: Oh, uh, my dream job. My dream My dream job would be to actually be able to sing a, uh, like a theme song to a movie. Mm. I mean, to have a dream job, that would be my dream job. To work with someone, um, gosh, I would love to work with Stevie Wonder. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's several artists. I would have loved to have worked with Celine Dion.
0: Oh, me too.
2: You know, and then I, I'm hearing of her, of the all the stuff she's dealing with. It's just so sad. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, Such a shame. Yeah, I mean, the, some of the greats, It's it, it would be, you know, fun to actually – and I would say work with them, work one-on-one with them would be really fun. Like I've, I've sung back up for Adele and Lady Gaga, but it's always been from a distance. You never really even meet them. You're, you're in a group and you're, you're ushered in and you've learned the parts separately. And so I've, mm. I've sort of worked with them, but that's not, you know, not really personal. I'd love to no. get to know some of them personally. Still,
0: exciting. So, I would, I was quite happy to saying. do that for Celine Dion. You know, <laughs> yeah.
1: Just hide in the background and wave. How yeah, right, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Call me if you want some lessons. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, love it. I love it. fired. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's why we don't do session singing.
2: Time.
1: <laughs> we wouldn't survive more than one job. <laughs> Unprofessional. Don't have mm-hmm. them back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do, you,
1: do you have to restrain yourself from going, can we have a selfie constantly? Do you, do you, do you get to do that or is that like not it's allowed? No. not allowed. No. Oh. Yeah. No. We'd be no good at that time.
0: <laughs> I know. Although I do laugh. I, sometimes, well, I don't know if you're familiar with Natalie Weiss, but when she was recording like session stuff for The Greatest Showman. She's like, she's singing at her booth when they're doing it for the studio presenters and she's like, this with the phone. She's like, with her phone filming the room. (laughs) and just have to (laughs) chuckle.
2: (laughs) Sometimes they'll put tape on our phones. Oh, really? Really? They'll ask for your phone and they'll put a piece of tape over the camera.
0: I suppose it's like confidential, isn't it? Because you'll be working on stuff that won't come out for years sometimes, eh? Right. Right. Wow.
2: So you can't I post... i i there's there's singers I've worked with that posted when they were told not to that also you never see again in the studio. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's like so on, isn't it? They don't just
1: get... posted about breaking the rules there, aren't you, <laughs> you can put it on social media? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, and they don't get um, another chance. That's the crazy part. I mean you one one mess up, which is why it is high pressure because there's some there's a whole line of people waiting on to get where you are so
1: yeah you have to be on your best behavior yeah.
2: you have to be on your best behavior mm-hmm. huh?
1: mm-hmm. <clears>
2: thank <throat> you and keep on top of your voice <laughs> exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. well
1: yeah.
2: thank you so much Gerald, yes, for joining beautiful. us today this was fun. A lot of fun this, it was this fun. feels like the comedy hour i love it <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Let's
1: have a nice little casual chat. It's
2: fun. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, you the the Thank, you Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. You're so welcome.
0: <laughs> so that was Gerald, and uh, we probably just skimmed the surface with Gerald. We could, as we said, talk for hours and hours, and all the showbiz goss.
1: Oh, I know. And we did, we did, we did pick his brains after we stopped recording. We we're like, right, we now did. spill the tea. What? Yeah.
0: Who's the real <laughs> like, diva?
1: Tell us all the diva stories.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: obviously we can't share them all with you, so you'll just have to make I them know. up in your head. <laughs>
2: yeah. But, but yeah, it does he, sound I mean,
1: like... like, you know, it does sound like, although he's working with a lot of big names, you know... Th- they do get kind of separated very much from the stars, and then it's down to the stars. I can't remember whether this bit was recorded, but he did say that um, when he recorded with Michael Bublé, Michael Bublé came and, That's right. and thanked all of you know all of the session singers and yeah. things, and he said that was an anomaly that doesn't normally happen.
0: Um, yeah. So, yeah, and I can imagine that Michael Bublé. I always thought Michael Bublé came across as being a really nice guy, and so he does. I, like mm. that kind of makes me happy that he is a nice guy.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah, good old Michael. But
0: it's like I can imagine that either that like they're totally with you, or like you never speak to them. You could go on like a three hundred night tour with like Taylor Swift and never once speak to like her. <laughs> you know,
1: right? And you know, it makes me think back to my first professional gig <laughs> when I was all uh-huh. of I think nine or ten years old, and I was in the children's choir in the. Uh, touring production of Joseph in the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat. And uh, Philip Schofield was playing Joseph for most of the tour. And then Darren Day did a week. This was the UK. Oh, yeah. So anybody listening from outside the UK can be like, who? But they were stars in the UK. <laughs> they were famous in the Big UK. Big
0: stars. TV stars, yeah.
1: And Philip Schofield would not come and meet the kid. We, uh, there was a moment in the show where he had to come over because we were sat on these stairs at the side of the stage. And there was a moment where he had to in the the show come over and pretend he was chatting with the kids and he'd come right up to us and me being big god was like philip will you come down to the dressing room and meet us later and uh, he <laughs> never did and it was very disappointing I was very disappointed i never wow. got to meet him in person he sent us a signed photograph of himself we all got one of those but you oh, know wow. but darren day i got a photo with darren day because darren day came to meet us. oh yeah yeah, and so I thought much higher of Darren Day than I did of Philip Schofield after that.
0: <laughs> wow, <Well>, I think <laughs> Philip might be a little bit of a diva. Obviously,
1: this is not quite in the same <laughs> same category not as Gerald talking line. to Michael Bublé <laughs> and Lady Gaga and people. <laughs> but in my little world, that was a big deal.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually have a funny story to share about Gerald as well. Go on. I... Um, so Gerald, as I said, Gerald's been with IVA for a long time since the start. And back in 2013, we had was our like year of founding. And um, so we did these mini conferences. Remember, we did one at your one at your studio. Yeah, and then we did one in Utah, at Linda's studio. And um, we were Jeffrey was there and Gerald was there. And they were staying with Jer- uh, Jeffrey's in-laws at this big, massive house on a hill like Big, huge, beautiful house. I remember we went there after dinner one night, and like it's the kind of house where you know you walk in through the foyer, and there's a grand piano, in like, oh wow, in in the hallway beside the spiral staircase and stuff. Oh, you know, gosh. just a small house, <laughs> the grand baby grand piano in the hall as you enter. I remember like we were just sitting and we we're just chatting and stuff like that, and Gerald like is a songwriter as well, and something we actually didn't cover in his interview, but he writes his own songs. And so they were like, Jeffrey's like, Gerald, get up and sing. So Gerald gets up and goes to the piano and sits down and sings this song that he wrote, which is the most beautiful song I've ever heard. And so everybody's sitting there, like bawling their eyes out. Gerald's beautifully oh, wow. singing and everything. And they clap and he fizzes and he's like are like, Tom, what would you like to sing? Of course, I'm sad, <laughs> just like immediately waiting on the sofa to just swallow me up. I was like, I never in a month of Sundays will go after Gerald to sing. no, no, no. Mm -mm.
1: Nobody with any sense would go after Gerald to sing That man has the most phenomenal voice I know, and he did
0: that that humble thing He's like, oh, I'm not really warmed up And then just proceeds to sing like an angel And you're just like, yeah, okay, whatever
1: (laughs) (laughs) That man is uber talented And he's worked really hard as well He's just, yeah It it doesn't surprise me that he gets that success And he's a nice guy Which Mm. doesn't always follow, does it? When people are very successful, they're not always a nice guy. But as he was saying, that is actually one of the things that gets him hired again and again is because people like to work with him. So don't underestimate the value of being a nice person.
0: Oh, absolutely. I I have a friend that works in the industry And she's always talking about like people come in and they have the wrong attitude and you know, the producers or the directors of the film or whatever project she's working on immediately just switch off from that person. They're not interested. And then you never see them again because they're just deemed as they don't have the attitude to work Mm. on a production. So having the right attitude when you're on these things you know cuz it's more than just being professional like jeff yeah gerald said you know like not having body odor and the way that you conduct yes. yourself turning up on time being prepared being ready to go and you know it's a whole thing before you even step in the booth like
1: absolutely, absolutely. but it'd still be fun it's great yeah, so can make tom, sure we
0: deodorant before i go in yeah i was gonna
1: say, <laughs> say double up on the deodorant just in case yeah.
0: <laughs> not <laughs> too <laughs> much after shape, though
1: <laughs> oh gosh no you don't want to make people feel sick with that old oh, lady yeah. perfumes mm. get me every time Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> uh, so who is coming up on our next episode tom
0: Well, in our next episode, we have the lovely Marcy Rosenberg joining us for a little bit of a chat. And she did a webinar back for for us back in January uh, that was really, really interesting about the voice and health. And so look look forward to having a nice little chat with her about vocal health and all that kind of stuff.
1: Absolutely. That should be an interesting one. It was a great webinar as well. Yeah. So before we finish up today, I think last Mm. episode we dangled a bit of a carrot and we said we'd be discussing a little bit more about some of our guest speakers who were going to be attending our online conferences this year.
0: Oh, yes. Yes. So we talked about the American conference. And so we have two other dates for conferences coming up. Um, Mm. So we're having uh, Kim Chandler is joining us for our European conference
1: amazing
0: one of her classes uh which will be very interesting to see because she's another one who works heavily in the industry you know i've seen her pop up on strictly come dancing doing backing vocals for rod stewart and that kind of stuff so she's doing a very musical class which will be quite interesting to see how she does handles musically the scales and things while working on a voice so i'm quite interested by that one And then uh, Stephanie is bringing one of her students along, Aista Blackman, who is a professional musical theatre performer from Germany. So she's coming along to talk about what it's like to be working in the industry and how she handles it, you know, the nine shows a week and keeping her voice healthy and in tip-top shape and all the stuff that she does to, you know, ensure that she continues to have success in her career. So that will be, I always think it's really nice to talk to people like that and get the kind of behind the scenes like you know because you like i'm going to the theater tomorrow night to see a show and it's like you just turn up and you sit with your wine and your drink and everything and you're just there but backstage there's like a hive of activities people like warming up and getting ready and makeup and hair and everything and you just kind of forget all that so absolutely i love behind the scenes i'm so nice yes i know me
1: too <laughs> that's my favorite thing to watch on tiktok is those sorts of videos of people oh yes um you know backstage and what they get up to when they're not on stage
0: (laughs) oh yeah you know when you mentioned that i have a guilty pleasure that i love watching on tiktok backstage is quick changes yes i love watching the quick changes and shows like there's um a quick change and is it into the heights or it's like the One of those shows, there's like a 20 second costume change for the lead male. And it's just, it's crazy watching like six people descend upon him as they like throw everything off and throw everything on and shove him back on stage. I love it.
1: (laughs) So basically what you're telling people is you like watching men strip.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, anybody quick change. I'm not, I'm not. Well, yeah. (sighs) Sorry,
1: I couldn't help myself.
0: I used to, I did. Tom's I used now. to hate. <laughs> I yeah, um, I used to have to do quick changes as well. So when we used to do shows, we used to do. So I used to be in a, a performing dance troupe that you used to tour around the UK and Europe. That's right, you were. Uh, yeah, and we used to have a to dancer. do a, a dancer, a dance, I'm a da- dancer, dance, a and darling. um, yeah. yes, and so like we used to have to do these quick changes. And I remember one day I was late. To, late to the venue because we got stuck and like forgot i had i mean literally it was like a 25 second quick change like shirt shoes a cummerband and stuff and so like, wandered off stage and was like literally like walking on stage trying to button up my shirt and like halfway through the performance I realized that my fly was down because i had just been like, so <laughs> focused on getting my shirt on <laughs> oops audience got more than yeah. they bargained for that night they did yes <laughs> Thankfully, there was a moment in the performance I was able to turn around and rectify the situation. But oh dear, Brilliant. front row seats! My goodness. <laughs> 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 yeah. So that those are, those are our guest speakers, but we also have. Um, if you remember, Mel Toys coming back to do a session for us as well.
1: Yes, fantastic. And
0: she's she's tailoring that for teachers working with their singers which is going to be great. And then we have one of our other ambassadors, Renee Marana. She is coming in with one of her colleagues and SLP and they're going to do a joint voice care session, which I think will be really interesting to see how what we do bounces off of what the SLP does and how they work together as a team for singers. So I'm looking forward to that as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's going to be very exciting. Lots of good stuff. And then obviously our conferences are also full of really practical, applicable skill training um, that all of our teachers have to go through. So amongst all of these guest speakers, there's going to be lots of classes where teachers will be team teaching. They'll be practicing their listening skills, analyzing voices, figuring out what, exercises do what for what voices um so it's going to be jam-packed full of stuff so i am excited
0: yes i'm I'm looking forward to it as well and like because we have this ethos don't we that whenever we're whenever we put this conference schedule together it's always like practical first and so when we get a guest speaker and they're like what do you want me to do in the 90 minutes we're like well we really like practical demonstrations you know we don't just want to hear you talk for 90 minutes we want to see it and actions so that we can figure it out mm. and stuff like that. So our conference is just full of practical stuff. And yeah, it,
1: which is it. I love that.
0: Yeah, it's great. And it's just, it's so much, I think it's such a great way to learn as well. You know, you're not just sitting, taking notes, like actually putting it into practice when you're learning it. Like I think it's better for retention and for development of the skill.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Absolutely. You've got to get in there and do stuff to really get to grips with it, haven't you? So... <laughs> We said we've got Marcy coming up on our next episode, Tom. But if people don't want to miss the next episode, what do they need to do?
0: Oh, well, we need to get yourself to wherever you enjoy consuming your podcasts and search for the vocal advancement podcast and then make sure you hit the follow or subscribe button. And when these episodes come out, you'll get a little notification so that you can tune in and listen. And uh, we'll, we forgot to ask Gerald I just realised this, but we will put links to Gerald's website and his sight singing stuff and everything in our show notes so that you can find out about Gerald because he does have sight singing courses if that interests you, which are really great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if you want to follow along on the frivolities in uh, video format, you can actually watch this on our YouTube channel as well and see the funny faces and, you know, things that happen.
1: Yeah, why not?
0: Yeah. Well, just I just noticed that's RuPaul not? behind your ear.
1: It is RuPaul behind my
0: ear. <laughs> I just <Okay>. noticed.
1: <laughs> this is what my kids bought me for Mother's Day was a pocket RuPaul wisdom book. So oh. you know, anytime I need a little bit of wisdom, I can just open up and, and say, you know, go forth and be sickening. And uh, that that's Absolutely. a good philosophy for life. Yeah.
0: From the book of Rue.
1: From the book of Rue. <laughs> We're a big fan here. Well,
0: on that note, I hope you all have a sickening day. And for yes. those who don't know what that means, it's a good thing. <laughs>
1: it's a good thing.
0: <laughs> it's a very good thing.
1: Thank you for joining us today.
0: Yeah, thank you for listening to our rabbit hole journeys, and then we'll see you in our next episode. We will.